Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Prosecco Theory. We have a special friend here today with us. I think people are going to be excited. It's been just you and I for a long time now. They might be sick of us. Yes. <laughs> so my very good old friend, Rebecca, who it's been almost 20 years that I've known you. Not that old. No, not you're not old. <laughs> I was about to make a correction. Just so everyone knows it's not her that's old. It's the French. Right, right. <laughs> it's got to be 20 years. Yeah. I met you in the bar scene way back in the day when we were both working in bars. And, oh, and hey Becca, yeah, well, Becca worked with my ex. So nice. We all became really good friends. And then when we first got our place, Becca came and worked with us for a while. And uh, then she left us for Minnesota. Which you'll hear in my weird new accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like a teeny bit. Yeah. <laughs> How's Minnesota? It sounds very different from Seattle. Uh, yes, it is. My husband's from here, thankfully. So I have a guide to the culture. (laughs) Tour guide. It's passive aggressive in a different way. Um, Interesting, (laughs) because I mean, we've done a whole episode on passive aggressive and how that is a core part of the Seattle culture. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's different, though, because you definitely are someone who is pretty direct. And but having grown up here, you know exactly how it is here. Yes. And I wasn't always super direct. Right. I don't know when that happened. You know, you start to get towards 40 and you stop. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, all fucks gone. I think that's when it happened. <laughs> so, Becca, you're the one, you had lunch with President Obama, didn't you? Yes. Oh, my God. That's so amazing. In 2014. That's why we wanted to have you on here with us for this topic, because you have quite the personal experience with what we want to talk about, which is kind of the darker side of the internet and social media, Um, trolling and harassment and doxing and things like that. There's a lot of stuff that's not stellar about it. And uh, because I know exactly what your whole experience was back then and ongoing and all that, I was really hoping you'd say yes to this. So thank you. Sure. No problem. We don't dredge up too much. I know. Right? Right? I know. You sound like you have some experience. I mean, started, it sounds like, with an amazing thing, but led yes. to, can we hear that story, how you ended up eating lunch with President Obama? How did that evolve? Yeah. I won't tell the whole story because that could be an entire podcast in and of itself. But I wrote a letter to the White House, to Obama, literally just at my kitchen table, like sat down typing, just, you know, I'm writing a letter to the president and (laughs) mailed it and thought nothing of it. It was really based on cost of living, kind of kitchen table issues. Daycare was kind of the central theme because at the time, our daycare for two kids cost more than our mortgage payment. I had just gone back to work as an accountant um, after going back to school. So I was retrained. So entry level, but with two kids. And then my husband um, had been in construction since he was 19. And during the recession, he's in residential remodeling. So that fell apart during that. He did my whole bathroom. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've been in there many times. It's quite nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He had gone to work for the railroad when construction kind of fell apart. When I went back to work, long story again, short (laughs) or shorter, I should say, the railroad was really grueling. He was like never home. He never got to sleep. I mean, it is a really intense job. You're on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's brutal. So between him being gone and not sleeping and me being home with two kids under two, the goalpost was when I go back to work, life will get back to sort of normal. Mm -hmm. You can stop doing that crazy job and whatever. Because I stayed home with the kids and 
and went to school. When I went back to work, we quickly, within two, three months, realized, oh, any benefit of having a second earner went out the window because of the cost of the daycare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So crying one day about trying to pay bills and whatever, I sat at the table and wrote this letter to Obama Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, you know, he seemed like someone that would care. Right. (laughs) Unlike other recent presidents. Unlike other people. (laughs) Yes. And I, again second career for me. So my original degree was in political science. So I've always been kind of, I don't know, some people might think naive, but I think kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Optimistic. like Optimistic. Yeah. yeah, Like a believer in the system, inspired by the change that people can make if they participate, et cetera. To me, sitting down and writing this letter was like an act of patriotism, right? This is what you do. You participate. You're making a contribution. Yeah. You don't just sit at home and complain about the way it is. You try to make a difference, right? Right. All I could do with two kids under two was write a letter. So I can certainly empathize with you because, you know, my kids are really close in age. They're 18 months apart. When they were little, I had a nanny only because it was actually cheaper to employ a private nanny than to put two kids under two in daycare. Because the younger they are, you know, the more expensive it is. You know, when people heard I had a nanny, they thought I was like a total baller. And I'm like, no, I'm doing this to save money. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So it was just kind of an act of defiance of like, there's nothing else I can do. So this will make me feel better. I put it in the mailbox and like, didn't think anything of it. I thought if enough people write about the same topic, that's how they'll start to shape what issues they address or whatever. Yeah. So a couple months go by, I'm just hanging out. I get a phone call and I don't recognize the number, but I answered it because my work phone rings to my cell phone, you know, or did at the time. It's a lady saying she's from the White House and wanted to talk to me. And I was like, what? (laughs) You're like, I was having a bad day. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was in a meeting. So I was like, I'll call you back in a little bit. So I called her back and I ended up talking to her for probably 20 minutes she was just really great and asked me, yeah, tell me a little bit about why you wrote the letter. And I talked to her for a little while and she's like, okay, well, you know, we might have somebody call you back in a while or tomorrow or something. Is that all right with you? And I was like, I guess, but (laughs) you don't have to. (laughs) I feel that I've been heard. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, really, thank you so much for calling. And like, you know, I was just really, I thought it was cool. I didn't really understand why they were calling me later. I figured out it was to kind of see if I was legit. Are you crazy? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that was maybe on a Tuesday. And I think I had lunch with him on a Thursday. So fast. Like two days later. Yeah. Wow. Did someone call you back and say like, so the president would like to have lunch? The president wants to have lunch with you. That's insane. (laughs) And I was like, uh, I better tell my husband that this is happening. Like I didn't, (laughs) I don't even know if I told him that I wrote the letter. (laughs) Well, they said, yeah, the president wants to have lunch with you. So I'm thinking like me and 10 other people or something. Cause anytime, you know, whatever. Well, no, it was just me. Did you realize that when you got there, like, yes, just going to be me. Yeah. Wow. So crazy. Yeah. He was going to be in Minnesota anyway, correct? No. Oh my God. He came just (laughs) for you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I think what happened was then they decided he went on a little tour. He went to like Colorado and Austin and he met other people that wrote similar letters, but it was kind of inspired by my letter. Right. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. He kind of went on this, I'm going to talk to normal people tour. (laughs) Which, you know, normal within quotes, but (laughs) more normal than him for sure. Yes. So yeah, you can't grasp what's coming 
Like there's zero ability to really understand what you're into before it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. They did talk to me, like someone at the White House was like, you should lock down your social media. You should do this and this and this before Mm -hmm. it happened. And I was just like, uh, okay. So (laughs) I'm like thinking all my stuff is private. The one that screwed me was LinkedIn, unfortunately. So I'm no longer on LinkedIn. Oh man. So I I thought I had locked everything down, but I guess I didn't do it right all the way. Um, And then, you know, I kind of just was like, okay, yeah, so Ben, I'm having lunch with the president. You're not invited. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the morning of, I mean, I literally show up that, you know, it was very cloak and dagger. There's all this stuff that you can't know where the president's going to be before he's going to be there. So they took my phone away and all this stuff. Wow. So we get there and I'm sure Michelle, you remember after the lunch, mm-hmm. I got my phone back and I took a selfie with him and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> yes. It is the best <laughs> selfie I've ever seen. And they're so happy, both of them in his limo. Yeah. And didn't you introduce him at the town hall the next day or something like that? Yeah. So, so I was supposed to have lunch with him and then go to this town hall. So they scheduled some events around this. So it wasn't just coming to meet me, but they, they made a thing of it. So he came, had lunch with me. Then he went and walked around some shops. I guess first he went to the town hall. Then he did some other stuff. Then the next day he gave a speech that was more of a planned policy speech. Okay. I introduced him at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hang on. I have some questions. (laughs) (laughs) My first question is what did he order for lunch? Whoever planned this lunch, like it was this Minnesota burger called a Juicy Lucy, which is a hot cheeseburger with molten cheese inside of it. <laughs> so the cheese is in the burger. I know. <laughs> it's good, but like I was just thinking, how am I going to eat this in front of the president and not just have <laughs> cheese all over my face? You're like, can I get 17 napkins, please? <laughs> yeah. Like halfway through eating with him, I'm holding my burger and he's like, are you going to eat your food? <laughs> And I was like, no, no. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm just going to hold it. Yeah. Is he as hot in person as he seems like? I, that <laughs> creeps me out a little bit because I've met him so many times. He is as incredible of a human being mm-hmm. as I hoped he would be. He has more of a dad vibe, totally dad okay. vibe. Okay. At least to me, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Did you feel like he was able to kind of relax and really engage with you in a, um, yeah, and like it wasn't surface or like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing for this PR thing? No, it was so genuine. I almost got the sense that he was more excited to be hanging out with me than vice versa. Like he was pumped to just be hanging out with a regular person. Yeah, yeah. I that doesn't surprise That's me. how it felt. I don't know if that's true, but that's how it felt. That's amazing. I was so nervous. And then when I met him, I was so comfortable because he was so normal and comfortable. Yeah. So he made it super easy. Gave me a huge hug. He wasn't even like a sh- handshake to introduce himself. He gave me a huge hug. Oh, oh my God. I miss him so much. I know. He was just great. Anytime somebody talks shit about him I'm like you can talk shit about his policy if you want right don't ever talk to me about him not being a good person nice that's a good retort yeah yeah okay so that's not the only time I guess the question and answer part is over oh sorry there's just there's just so much more to this story that was my last question I know sorry sorry this isn't even we're not even to the topic yet no (laughs) it does help to understand where it came from right yes well and honestly I think that a lot of people would have those same questions especially what did he eat for lunch oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, we both had cheeseburgers. It's the hard-hitting journalism that we're nice. here for. He ate his without making a sink. I don't even know if he used a napkin. He was like a ninja. <laughs> it's magic. He's magic. <laughs> like, you are good at this, like, public stuff. Right. That seemed yeah. magical. He was wearing a suit, not a speck of anything. Just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, then what happened? Okay. So we're kind of in this bubble and it was really a little bit scary at the time. So I don't work at this company anymore. I now work at an amazing company that would never do this to me, but the company that I used to work for started to get weird because a lot of their, I'm an accountant. So a lot of their clients are really conservative. It started to be like, they were really concerned that I was going to say or do something that would make them look bad. Mm. So I'm in the middle of it, instead of it being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You're meeting the president. They were like, don't do anything that will make us have to fire you. Basically. They didn't straight up say it, but they said, wow. Yeah. That was kind of my first indicator of, oh, the thing where just like the presidency is more political now than it was It used to be, if you were at a campaign thing, maybe it would reflect a certain way on you, but you could go talk to a president who wasn't the same party as other people and they would be respectful of the office, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It did not feel like that. It definitely started to feel like, oh, I'm standing next to somebody who's a polarizing figure. So therefore I'm now a polarizing figure. Mm -hmm. It started with that, like the fear of, oh no, my work's kind of freaking out. So that was in the background, but I was kind of like, you don't pay me anywhere near enough money to care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, yeah. I wasn't going to give it up for that. No. I didn't think they were going to fire me anyway, but I was nervous. And I think it probably caused a rift in some way. Sure. More the second time I met him because <laughs> I did it again. Right. So now you got to tell us about that. What? I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. This is very convoluted. But after the first thing, the first series of events when he came to Minnesota, the Minnesota Republican Party found on my LinkedIn website that I used to work for Washington State Senator Patty Murray. Yeah, exactly. When I went to UW, when I was in my 20s, I worked on Patty Murray's campaign, like right after I graduated. So I think I probably made like 12 bucks an hour (laughs) or something like that. And it was more of a knocking on doors situation than a political operative situation. hundred percent. I was a, that's when I met you back then. That's what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I was working at the bar. Right. (laughs) The bar. (laughs) Did you hear it? No, I work at a bar. Not in Minnesota. So it's a bar. The bar. (laughs) Barb and Star. We did just watch Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. (laughs) A lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, it was very much like registering people to vote, knocking on doors, putting up yard signs, calling people. You're not running her campaign. No. (laughs) Like she couldn't pick me out of a lineup, but they, of course, and that had been 10 years before this or something. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 10 years, I'd gone from 26 to a mom with kids, married, moved across the country, totally different life. The Minnesota Republican Party put out an official statement that said she doesn't represent the people of Minnesota because she's a political plant or something like this, an operative that she's a Democratic staffer. Like they were insinuating that they found you and created this whole narrative about you. Yeah, like I was an actor almost. Oh my God. Okay. Like they had made up a story about me and that I had been like paid to make up this story. (laughs) 
I have two young children. How many of you would have that much time? <laughs> right. I don't have the yeah. energy for that. <laughs> I know. So that got picked up by all kinds of local media. And I had done one interview with the local news, a really good local political reporter, Pat Kessler, who was great. Like I still remember what you were wearing in that. <laughs> yeah. And he was really nice. And like, it was very much just like human interest story. Minnesota mom is going to meet the president kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I did that to kind of get out in front a little bit because I had known that it was going to get a little bit weird. So we kind of chose the one person, did the interview, and then that was it. And then we started to get a million calls. Reporters were like stalking our house. Mm-hmm. It got scary. It got a little scary. And then after that statement came out, then I started getting a ton of Facebook messages from crazy strangers. Part of the problem was that no one talked to me except for this one reporter. Then there were all these stories. We live in a suburb of Northeast Minneapolis called There's another neighborhood in St. Paul called where the houses are really expensive. So people started going, oh, they live in a million dollar house and they're complaining. And I'm like, no, we don't. Mm. (laughs) And then it's like Minnesota native, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm from Seattle. You know, I'm not a Minnesota native. Everything you're saying is wrong. Oh, frustrating. You can't defend yourself because it's like kicking the hornet's nest. Mm hmm. You can't say anything. If you engage at all, it's going to get worse. It makes it go longer right. and get worse. Did you learn that the hard way or? I think, honestly, if it wasn't for my husband, I would have learned it the hard way. He's super private. So that's another piece of this that was terrible because he doesn't like any of his personal stuff out there. And all of a sudden it was like everywhere. Real negative. You can't support your family. Like all this oh, terrible God. stuff. For him and for me, I felt so bad because he's like this blue collar, super hardworking guy. Like his whole identity is wrapped up in just like the Midwestern, providing good, hardworking, salt of the earth kind of guy. And And he's an amazing human. Yeah. And that's what he did to get us through all that time. Like he worked his ass off. So then to have this thing of like, well, if you just worked harder, you know, so it was hard because there's the White House did a good job of trying to tell an accurate story. And like they would let me review everything they said about us. So if they wrote a speech that we were in and they said, we're going to say this about you, is that okay? And I would say, nope, this kind of mischaracterizes it. Please don't say that. And they would change it, you know, because they're trying to tell a story, right? They're not trying to not tell the truth, but they're trying to like tell a narrative that they can use to then pivot to a policy thing, right? Which fine. They were really good about that. However, they're not going to spend all this time telling every detail to make sure everyone understands the nuance of our story. Yeah. So I started getting... I mean, you can imagine the misogynistic crap that came. Like the one I remember is somebody sent me a meme of basically it was legs and somebody wearing knee pads with Obama's face on it, which you can get the insinuation Uh of that. Delightful. Yeah, really. It was a lot of like, you disingenuous fucks and like all this, you're a terrible person. Your kids should be ashamed of you. I mean, it was horrible. You can know logically that none of what these people are saying matters. But when you're the target of it, it is terrifying because you don't know if they've figured out where you live. Right. We found out later that a ton of people were like calling my office, my husband's office. 
Like, you should fire him because who knows why? I don't even know. I'm pretty sure the owners of his company, like, wouldn't tell him what was said because they didn't want to hurt his feelings. And it was a constant barrage coming at you. Yeah. On your phone, in your house. Right. It's a hard to describe feeling, you know, even though it's not face to face, someone attacking you. I'm in my home. And these people can get to me. Yeah, you feel violated. You don't feel safe in your own space. Right. That's scary. We didn't know what was going to get out. I mean, I've had some fun in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thankfully, it was before social media. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like all of a sudden, is it going to be like, oh, I dated her 15 years ago and she's a piece of shit or whatever. <laughs> you know, like Some guy that you, you know, dated for six months or whatever. So it started to be scary that you had no control over it. Right. I can tell you, I would never want to be famous. Anonymity is an asset that people don't really understand until it's gone. Wow. So we went through all this, but it we knew at the end of the day that we were a five-minute thing and that it was going to die down or whatever. The one thing you can't do is undo the internet. It became clear that, oh, all this bullshit and incorrect information and the thing that says is Rebecca a democratic plant and all that. It's what comes up when you Google me. So when I apply for jobs, that's what they see. Oh God. There's a really good episode on the podcast criminal about this. And they talk to victims of online slander and harassment and one lady in particular that became a target. And initially she had no idea who was doing it. She had no idea why. But they explained this whole process of why you can't undo it. Like once it's on there and various laws and freedom of the press and privacy and all this stuff. So she had been fighting this legal battle for years and she was so far into it before. I'm trying to remember if she ever figured out who was doing it to her. I'm not sure that she did. But it pretty much ruined her whole life and it just came out of nowhere there was just all this stuff on the internet and had been like shared and shared and shared. She just has to live with it basically. So fucking. Yeah, it really is. You'd think I would learn my lesson and not engage with people online, but. Well, that's the <laughs> other thing I was going to say is Becca um, is a little spicy. And before <laughs> well, this had some online encounters with just other people that were. Oh yeah. Random people. My tone does not translate right. on the internet. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Somebody who would sit down and write a letter to the president that would result in the president having lunch with them does not seem to me to be a subdued, quiet person. <laughs> that she's not. Okay. Yeah. As my husband's like, why is this happening? I'm like, you knew me when yeah. you married me. Yeah. You, me you knew what you were getting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could know we were getting that, but. <laughs> right. That one came out of left field. So were you in? Invited to go to DC or how did? Yeah, so this was all in June. And then in November, December, we get this phone call like, hey, are you available the third week of January? And I'm like, State of the Union. Oh my gosh, because <laughs> political science major. So I was like, oh my God, you know. And then I'm like, yeah, sure. So they called us back after that and we're like, okay, well, the president wants to mention you in his speech and would like for you to come sit in the gallery with Mrs. Obama and the whole deal. Are you effing kidding me? <laughs> Can you write some letters for me to some people, please? <laughs> really? 
I've been writing them my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> One worked For out. Very little things like bring JJ back to criminal minds. Yes. <laughs> Two very big things. So we went, but before we went, we had a really long talk about, do we want to do this again? Because now that there's already information out there, Mm -hmm. new people are going to go see that immediately. And then it's going to get worse. So I went to my company and was like, hey, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Remember that thing that really stressed you out? It's going to happen more. (laughs) They were pissed. I think they hired a PR consultant or something just in case. Oh, my God. Yeah. How dare you? I know. I did not feel bad. So what was that experience like going to D.C. and, you know, hanging out with Michelle? (laughs) It was even more surreal. The whole thing is so surreal. I can't even like it was nuts. We took our two kids and my husband came. My oldest son, who was probably five, sat on George Washington's chair in the White House. I'm like, get off of there. Get down. (laughs) Then some lady came running over. He can't be on there. I'm like, I know. Why'd you bring us in here? (laughs) (laughs) Have you never been around a five-year-old before? (laughs) They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something because I think we were the only ones with little kids at this whole thing. So they brought us again. We had no idea it was going to be like very focused on us. I thought, who remembers anyone that's sitting in the gallery? They talk about something. They point to them. It's over. That's it. I'm telling my company like, no, you won't even know I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) It's no big deal. That's not exactly what happened. How did it go? (laughs) We went and they were like, okay, come to the White House before the speech. We'll give you a tour, whatever. We're like, this is awesome. I mean, again, you know, to us, it was going to be cool for us. But we had this thing of the president asked us to do something. Right. Say no. Nope. We didn't want to say no, but also to think about your family and yeah but there there was a sense of duty there I'd be lying if I didn't say that that there was a sense of pride in that mm-hmm. all of that stuff I desperately wanted them you're going to talk about child care and the cost of that at the state of the union heck yeah because of me yeah <laughs> okay so we went my dad was really cute because he said you never know what your kids might do in their life if they've been in the Oval Office when they're little yeah and that one hit me in the heart like yeah no kidding Wow. Quite an experience to have because they were five and three, right? Yeah. Oh, sure, that's impressionable. That kind of sealed it, I think. We were like, okay. It was incredible. The whole thing was incredible, but it was very surreal. So we went, we go to the White House. There's like a party. Then they take all the people who are there to go sit in the box, including Scott Kelly, who was going to go spend a year on the space station. Wow. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Me and you, Scott Kelly. Like, I'm nobody. I don't know why I'm here. What's up, man? (laughs) We went over. They took us in a motorcade to the Capitol. Ben and the kids got to like stay and watch the State of the Union in the movie theater at the White House. So all the families got to do that. Yeah. So it was awesome. How was Michelle Obama? So great. We stood in line to get our pictures taken with her and Jill Biden. I mean, no biggie, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) And she gave us a big hug and was like, I've been hearing about you at the dinner table for months. Just like a normal family that was going to tell you, oh, yeah, I've heard about you. You know, guess who I met today? Let me tell you over dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then I met with Tom Perez, who was the labor secretary at the time. And he wanted to know, okay, tell me all about your experience and this and that. You know, we heard your letter in a cabinet meeting. The president read it in the cabinet meeting and told us (laughs) this is who we're working for. I mean, it was just like, what the (laughs) mind blowing. (laughs) You're like, I'm done. 
I've, I, I've contribution peaked. made. I've peaked. <laughs> yeah. It's really like, no matter what else I ever do, this is it. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, still to this day, we kind of don't, we laugh about it. We're like, just not any normal people in Washington, DC. I don't understand. <laughs> Probably not. No. Not that cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that speech did not just mention you once. Right. It was kind of framed around our story. So we came up several times in the speech and I was sitting in between Michelle Obama and Jill Biden. So I was on TV a bunch too. Lots of camera time. Wow. <laughs> My work was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> was the speech amazing though? It was really good. Yeah. He like said our kids' names and everything. I mean, it was just, how do you, like the president just said our kids' names in the state of the union. It's nuts. Insane. So it was awesome. And then we had talked about, I went to community college a couple of times, first at Shoreline and then here to get my two-year accounting degree. So I'd been talking to him at lunch about community college and how I graduated without student loans and all this stuff, you know, and I just said that we don't get to write this off on our taxes because I already had a bachelor's degree. So there was like this whole thing about the community college stuff. And then he started pushing the free community college after that. (laughs) Becca, you changed the world. Wow. (laughs) Look at you. (laughs) Like I said, I think it's more, he genuinely cared and wanted to listen and he did. So yeah, I don't know. It's more about him than me really, but what was work like for you when you returned home from that trip? It was fine. I had a client that was super pissed and I don't know if I even ever went back. I think I went back a couple times and my husband was like scared. He didn't want me to go there because the guy was so unhinged. The client, the owner of this company that I worked at. Yeah. So when I came back from the state of the union, we live in this really small suburb where like everybody knows everybody. It's like a small town, but it's right. It's a block from Minneapolis. Right. I was grocery shopping and felt so uncomfortable because I'm like, everyone in here knows who I am, which is clearly not true. But it was just this idea of like, you can't just do something simple, like go to the store without being worried that like someone's going to scream at you or something. And you're just on display. Yeah. Did our episode about fame resonate with you in that regard? Yeah, I hated it. I was like, you know, I understand why some of these people who think they wanted to be famous can't handle it because it would be terrible. (laughs) Oh, man. People don't know what they're getting into. So did that whole rhetoric about you being a plant and everything continue? Yeah, it got worse. Okay. It definitely got worse. You know, we had, we just had an interesting experience. So we flew back on the plane from DC to Minnesota and like a bunch of the Minnesota delegation were on the plane. Nobody said hi to us. You don't know who we are. Some kid at the subway station in DC was like, were you at the state of the union last night? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You know, we were on there with congressmen and stuff that were Democrats that just ignored us. It was a very weird experience where some of them were amazing and some of them were like politicians. Um, The one like lighter side of the online fallout, I remember cracking up because people were, you know exactly what I'm about to say. (laughs) People were like, where's Ben? Hashtag, where's Ben? Literal hashtag started, where's Ben? (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, because they were telling the story of the whole family, but only I was there. 
right? <laughs> no, where's, where's Ben? Hashtag. Actual hashtag is, oh my God. Like, where's Ben? He's making a sandwich, man. I don't know. No, he's <laughs> parenting his. <laughs> yes. Anyway, sorry. I remember getting home. From, so we were sitting in the airport in DC to come home. And I remember kind of hiding. And then when we got here, having landed, then read all the stupid messages and tweets and all this stuff. And the where's been, it was funny, but it was also scary. Yeah. I remember sitting on the floor in my house, like in my son's room in the dark, just being like, oh my God, like reading through all of it. Just like, oh no, you know, what did we do? Was it like scary actually taking your kids to school or anything? Like we did tell the local police like, Hey, this happened. If you see anybody like hanging around our house or whatever, get them out of here. Kind of a thing. It wasn't scary to take the kids to school, but suddenly it was like your political leanings are public in a place where nobody talks openly about anything that might be considered rude or even slightly controversial. Yeah. Yeah. So that was scary because then it became, are you going to hate my kids in this small town school because of me? Mm-hmm. People would see me and be like, you're the Obama girl. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm a 36 year old woman or whatever at the time. Right. I'm not a girl. Thank you. But it was weird. Or people would be like, do I know you? I'm like, nope. No, you do not. I mean, I feel like that a lot when I'm out and about in town and I recognize people all the time, but I think it's because I've seen them on dating apps. Yeah. So we do see them in the wild. Like, remember I saw one at your 40th birthday party and I was like, I know that guy because we're talking on an app right now. Yeah. (laughs) Not exactly the same, Becca, but yeah. Basically. Were you subject to like character assassination from people other than them saying things like you were a plant and everything, but were they saying really deeply hurtful shit about you as a human being and your character that wasn't true. Yeah. Like I said earlier, we all like to think I don't have anything to hide because I'm not ashamed of myself or anything I've ever done or whatever. But when anything you've done or said can be totally mischaracterized to be used against you, it sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. It was isolating and like you want to crawl in a hole and you don't trust people. I didn't trust anyone for a while. I like purged my Facebook friends because I was like, I don't actually know you very well. I don't know you. I don't, I really felt like a lot of people were suddenly, maybe they hadn't talked to me in forever, but they were now my best friend sharing the story. There was a lot of that just kind of like mistrust of the people around you suddenly. It's like you knew who your really good friends were and your family and everything. But then the peripheral people, you're like, maybe you're going to sell my shit to some paper. I don't know. Just because right now people care. Yeah. yeah. I could never figure out how they figured out where we lived. And I thought somebody must have told them. The media. I always wonder about that, too. So I don't know if everyone out there knows what doxing is. The word comes from, it's just an abbreviation of documents, right? It was something that started just kind of in hacker culture because they pride themselves on anonymity. And if that's exposed, that's like the worst thing that you could do to somebody, right? And so it it became more of a mainstream thing kind of right around that time, the mid 2010s. I mean, you don't know where anybody got the address or whatever, but I suppose that's possible. I suspect one person might have been. Oh. Well, and yeah, if you're a homeowner and a taxpayer, that's true. it's public. So all you have to do is look you up as a taxpayer. Correct. But the issue there was that everything in the public stuff said Minneapolis. So if people were looking in Minneapolis, they couldn't find me. Mm. So you had to know we lived in 
to find it. Right. Yeah. Well, and doxing is technically not illegal, I was reading, because it is a, a compiling of public records and just kind of putting it all into one place. Yeah. What What is the start. like formal definition of doxing? Putting someone's private data online in a publicly accessible file, often as a means of revenge. Okay. Yeah. Because you disagree with us politically, you think it's fine. Did you guys ever think about moving or anything like that? Nope. Let's fuck them. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, as we do when we're trying to do something a little harder hitting than what games are on the shelf and <laughs> what did we drink last night? We've been phoning it in, but we brought it for this one. We got got some uh, stats here. This was from a recent article, The State of Online Harassment, with some research done by the Pew Research Center last September of over 10,000 U.S. adults. 41% of Americans have personally experienced some sort of online harassment About 75% of those people are saying it happened on social media, which is not super surprising. And then the most common reason that people cited as why they were targeted was politics. Again, not that surprising. It's it's it's, become so polarized and divisive that it, it apparently speaks to everyone's character deeply. Right. And it's an emotional thing. I mean, it's emotionally triggering for people. So if they want to try to hit someone where it hurts about something that they feel strongly about, that is probably an avenue that Mm -hmm. they'll not hesitate to go down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that same article also said that women targeted in online harassment are more than twice as likely as men to say the most recent incident was very or extremely upsetting. Yeah, because the kinds of things that men are reporting having been done to them online are not as threatening, right? Name calling and, you know, I'm going to beat you up kind of that stuff. Whereas women are reporting sexual harassment and stalking. It always goes to rape. Always. Yeah. You don't agree with me? Rape threats. Uh, Yeah. It's it's insane. Speaking of, we should talk about when women and particularly celebrities, like I remember this happened to Scarlett Johansson, Mm -hmm. have private photographs where there might be some nudity that are intended for a private audience that are stolen and distributed to the public. Yeah. I think it happened in 2011 that this guy in Florida, you probably remember this, he's the Hollywood hacker. When he got into everybody's accounts yeah. and it was like 50 different celebrities that he was hacking into their email by, this is what he said. This is from an article from FBI.gov and the U.S. Attorney's Office. His name's Christopher Cheney. It says, Cheney admitted that from at least November 2010 to October 2011, he hacked into the victim's email accounts by clicking the forgot your password feature and then resetting the victim's passwords by correctly answering their security questions he guessed by using publicly available information oh. on the internet. Terrible. Yeah. So Scarlett Johansson and a bunch of other people had a bunch of shit, very personal things leaked. Kind of the scariest part of this to me is that there were two non-celebrity victims, each of whom was stalked by him for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. So the person doing that is it's not harmless, even if they're just like, haha, celebrity nude photo. Here you go. Well, this guy is obviously mentally ill. I mean, it also said that he yeah. went through their contact list to try to get addresses of potential new hacking targets. Mm-hmm. What do you think he was goal was to try to sell these? That was part of it. Yeah. He was going to offer them to, um, or maybe blackmail, you know, those parties to say, I'm going to release this. He emailed many of the stolen photographs to others, including another hacker and two gossip websites. Oh, so he probably got paid. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. 
like you were saying that anonymity is priceless, right? I remember Jennifer Lawrence was in that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the following year, there was another cyber attack that I guess it was 2013, a bunch of personal and financial information was released and it was politicians and actors and musicians and all over the board. I mean, it's just chaos. It's these fucking people who are just wanting to spark. Well, maybe not just, but they're sparking chaos. Yeah. Now that you say that, it reminds me. I mean, you knew this about me, I'm sure. Like I used to think I would someday run for office. Mm -hmm. That's basically off the table. Yeah. After this experience. Yeah. And it's not 100% off the table, but while our kids are minors and at the effect of what is out there, it's 100% no. Right. Because again, it's like you open yourself up to a level of scrutiny that you have to be, I don't know. I don't know what kind of person you have to be to withstand it. I honestly don't. Like the Obamas clearly, I think Michelle Obama is probably the classiest woman on earth for the way she handled it. You can tell it really bothers her. I'd be dropping F-bombs everywhere. Like, I don't know how you stay calm with people attacking your family like that. Constantly. I just don't. Especially when you have young girls, you know? Yeah. It's almost like you, it's like the ones that can take it are either like bulletproof, really strong people that have enough protection, whether it's money or power or whatever, that it's like, you can kind of be immune to it. Mm -hmm. Or you're like a psychopath. I don't know how you don't care. (laughs) Right. I'm sure that you develop thicker skin as time goes on. But it's also a new phenomenon with the internet, right? Because historically, even very public figures, whether they're celebrities or politicians or whatever, didn't have to deal with all of this like social media or everybody has a camera phone. It's just a whole different world than it was even 20 years ago. Yeah. Fucking jobs have been created to <laughs> you know? manage that. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's scary. And it's scary to think about like sending your kids into that portal, <laughs> into the right. online world. And it's a new skill, I would think, that you would have to develop if you want to go into politics. Like maybe 20 years ago, this wouldn't have been something you had to never. Right. Much. Yeah. Now it'll be like all your tweets have the F word. So right. <laughs> you're a terrible person, you know, and then it would just be this onslaught of you're a horrible human being. Right. There's no nuance on the Internet. No, no, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that I think people don't realize, I read the comment sections of the articles about us. I was there reading it. Is that a good idea? No, but also... It's easy to say, just don't read it when it's not about you. When it's about you, you want to know what's the consensus, what's happening. I'd fucking read it. Danger. Yeah. You're assessing the threat, right? And so people would say stuff and you just feel like, but you can't respond. No. That was really hard. But I also, anytime I comment anything, even if it's shitty, I assume the person I'm saying it about reads it. I never say anything now. If I wouldn't say it to their face, right? which there's a lot I would say to people's faces. Yes. (laughs) And I'm not an awful person on the internet, but I, you know, if I say something kind of snarky or whatever, I'm like, you better mean it (laughs) because they're probably reading it. Most celebrities and stuff, I'm sure aren't reading it, but. Well, yeah, but I I think that that's a good mentality to go into those interactions with because it's going to help people stay kinder, right? Yeah. If you're considering the other person's experience at all. So dumb, but I remember like we did an interview with the local newspaper here, the Star Tribune, which is the big paper. And that was when I was sitting in my son's room in the dark, the reporter knocked on the door. And we had just gotten home from the airport and the guy was nice. And we read the Star Tribune and like, 
you know, I told Ben, just tell him to go away. And then I said, no, go get him. Just go get him. Let's tell our story once. Let's defend ourselves once and be done with it. Yeah. We said to the guy when we let him in the house, we're going to trust you. And then you can come into our home. And if you're not trustworthy, don't come in. I was serious about it, you know, but I remember the picture that they ran with the article online was so bad. The picture of me (laughs) and somebody commented like, that's a super unfortunate photo. And I was like, (laughs) yes, it is. Like I responded to that. (laughs) Not the one I would have chosen. Yeah. I was like, I really hope this lady that made this comment is laughing that I agree with. Right. (laughs) Oh my God, it was horrible. I'm like, why do they do this to me? Also, I was just traveling with two young children. He didn't take it. It was like a stock photo from the first trip or some photo they had on file from the first trip. But I was like in the middle of talking. So it's like, Matt, (laughs) (laughs) holding a big cheeseburger. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, why? But anyway. So we've been talking about celebrities and political figures that are subject to online harassment. But Michelle and I talked on a prior podcast once about this documentary that we saw I bet you she's seen it because Becca's into the true crime too. Oh, okay. So. The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Yes. Do you remember there was an individual, his artistic stage name is Morbid, and these internet sleuths that were trying to solve the case of what happened to her somehow landed on a video oh. that he had posted on social media. That he had filmed at that hotel. Right. But it turns out it had been filmed a year prior, but people were like trying to make it seem like he had filmed it at the same time that she was there. He sort of was designated by these internet sleuths as the person who must have killed her. Mm -hmm. He later provided evidence that he was at home in Mexico when she died. But these people online basically ruined his life. And I remember them interviewing him and I just really felt for him. He was talking about being suicidal and how he had to shut down all of his accounts because he was getting so many hateful messages, calling him a murderer and stuff. And he literally was not even there. He did nothing wrong. Horrible. His life was ruined by, you know, becoming a target of this online harassment. It's just crazy how out of hand it can get. Yeah. And there's that mob mentality too. There is. And I don't know, Michelle, if you've noticed this, but sometimes even on Facebook or somewhere, somebody will start something like that. And I'll step in and be like, you don't know if any of this is true. Even if it's a thing that I would normally agree with, like, yeah, I hate that person, you know, that politician or celebrity or whatever. But if it's something like that, I always will kind of, eh, you should back off. Like, you don't know how much of this is accurate. Yeah, I have noticed that. You definitely are good about that, providing that perspective. I don't like that. No. That mob mentality on the internet of like, let's go ruin someone's life. Like, uh, don't, how about don't? <laughs> right, right. One of the things I read was an article from Psychology Today just called Why Do People Troll Online? And it just talks a little bit about the factors that contribute to that. You know, of course, there are some environmental external factors and some individual factors, but they talked about as one of them, that mob mentality. It's also so easy when you're behind the screen and because 99% of the shit that people say, I just threw that number out there, but I'm guessing it's right. 
They would (laughs) never say to somebody's face. Right. So the fact that anything you say, you think about, they're going to read this and you would say it to their face. I think that that could change a lot of things if everybody kept that. Yeah. Right after this whole thing, I'm like, you should have to give your real name and your thing. You shouldn't be able to make comments as a fake name. (laughs) Well, I know the value of being able to expose things and not say who you are and all that. But there is like a a hesitance to put anything out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll give you an example. I got into it with some guy on Twitter about politics or something. And he made a threat that was really overtly like a rape threat. Yeah. Anonymous name. So I didn't know if he was local or not. So it was scary. Yeah. So I think I posted it on Facebook. Like, look at this. This is what happens when a woman goes on the internet with an opinion or something like that. And a guy friend of mine was like, oh, I found him. Here he is. And it was same screen name on a blog. And he liked motorcycles. And this guy liked Ah. it was very clearly the same person. Then somebody looked on his LinkedIn and was like, he works at this college. And I was like, oh, hmm, I didn't react to all these trolls when I couldn't. Right. I'm going to react to this one. So I emailed the board of this college and was like, this guy sent this message to me online, blah, blah, blah. Here's the, well, anyway, even then I regretted it because what happened was then he put up a blog about me with my picture and my name and all this stuff and how he got fired or whatever. Yeah, he he didn't. I don't think. Well, but how he was going. Oh, then now I'm getting talked to the psycho lady is, you know, made this up. It's not me. And then I got really nervous. Like, Oh, my God. What if it isn't him? Right. You know, because now I'm doing the thing that I, you know, well, the person that did the sleuthing, I trust that it really was the guy. And I look, I mean, whatever, but I ended up emailing the board member and said, look, he put up this website. I want nothing to do with this. I'm not involved. I'm sorry. Do whatever you think is right. I'm out of here. Right. (laughs) It's too much. But you know, because I was thinking like this guy's teaching college age women and he's saying this crap online. And so it just got me. And I was like, I can react now because nobody cares who I am anymore. Right. How is your husband with all of this? Is he just like (laughs) constantly just shaking his head or is he? Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, he's, I mean, he loves me. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what he's got. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. He was kind of collateral damage in some ways Mm -hmm. with the public stuff because he didn't do any of it. He didn't write the letter. He didn't say anything. He didn't ask for any of it. He's still kind of like, I mean, I've been like this forever. So yeah, it is what it is. he'll hear me typing. He's like, "Uh Oh, what are you doing? He can tell my, like, oh, no. he can tell the type that's like starts serious. probably in his mind. Yeah, like, dun-un, dun-un. <laughs> it's the aggressive yeah. typing. Oh no. Yeah. He knows something's up. Who are you fighting with? <laughs> Who do you hate on the internet? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> But never, ever, ever made me feel bad for any of it. We decided together, okay, yeah, we want to do this. And it was an honor for him, too. I mean, we all got to meet the president. Right. And go to the White House and all that stuff. Son got to sit in George Washington's chair, you know. (laughs) And he got to fist bump Obama. Yeah. Amazing. It was worth it now that it's done. Right. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible experience that you all got to have that your kids will always have. You know, they probably don't remember all of it because they were really young. Are you so you you guys have like a group text going you and Barack and Michelle? (laughs) No, but I did get interviewed for his book. But then I guess the book was so long that I'm in like volume two, I think. (laughs) Well, you also are in Pete Sousa's book. 
Yeah. Obama's photographer. With the burgers. I think that was before the burgers came. Yeah. You were at the table and we have some friends who went to see him speak here. And as they're sitting there, you know, Pete Souza's talking about this woman from Minnesota. And there's our friend in the crowd just yelling, she's from Seattle (laughs) (laughs) at him. And other friend is like, oh my God, shut up. true though yeah i don't like to be stripped of my seattle nativehood no it's, it's important <laughs> yeah i've only lived here for 11 years so at the time i'd only been here for four years so i was like yeah yeah so the native what oh <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm not so something that i kind of struggle with is approving of these things happening when i agree with the cause more so than other times right so we all know about anonymous mm-hmm and their, you know, Guy Fox masks and all that shit. Some of the stuff that Anonymous has exposed, I'm kind of like, well, fuck yeah. And then I have to catch myself because it's this method that I don't necessarily approve of for a lot of things. It's this weird little internal battle I'm having. Mm-hmm. For me, the line is like, if they're exposing government corruption or something, yeah, that's different than like going after a private citizen. Absolutely true. Yeah. It's more whistleblowing than it is personal. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So do you think there are people who don't know what anonymous is? Yeah, I think they're probably. Are. Um, okay. The gist is that, well, here, I'll just read this. Anonymous is a decentralized international activist slash hacktivist collective and movement widely known for its various cyber attacks against several governments, government institutions and government agencies corporations, and the Church of Scientology, which I'm for anyone who wants to bring them down. Word. Right. So they apparently originated in 2003 on the image board 4chan, which I started watching that Q documentary too. I only made it a couple episodes in. Holy shit. One and a half. Not even. Yeah. I had to turn it off. It's hard. A lot of talk about 4chan there as well. But, you know, so it's what, 18 years old at this point, but the beginning of kind of when they started the attacks, the targeting was in 2008 with a series of protests, pranks and hacks against Scientology. So when you start with that, I'm like, these guys are doing good. This is awesome. (laughs) And then they went after Westboro Baptist Church at one point. I feel like it got weird in the last couple of years, though. Didn't they start doing weird stuff that just seemed like it was maybe Russian disinformation or something? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that might be hard to control over time. You know, I don't know how you become a part of Anonymous. I the think bigger, anybody can be as long as you start communicating. Well, the bigger somehow. it gets, yeah. you know, probably the less you know and have mm-hmm. control over the people involved. And there's yeah. definitely people that want to be a fucking cowboy and just go off the deep end. Break <laughs> some shit. Yeah. Yeah. In 2012, Time called Anonymous one of the... Uh, 100 most influential people of the year. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I still can't believe you've never seen these for Vendetta. I know. I really need to watch it. Have you seen that, Becca? No. Really? What? <laughs> you guys I'm not the only it. one? It's really good. I've heard I that. only said that because they wear the same masks. Yes. The Guy Fox masks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel as though we've attacked many subjects here. Oh, attack is a choice word. I know. Becca, I mean, do you need a massage or, you know, some therapy or like, <laughs> oh, I'm good. <laughs> really had you dredge a lot up. This is probably nothing compared to what you've been through though. Yeah, it's over. I mean, now nobody cares about us anymore. Perfect. <laughs> so 
it's preferable that way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we really appreciate you telling us all this. I mean, Michelle knew a lot of it, but I didn't. Yeah. I knew you were that cool chick that had lunch with Obama. That's pretty <laughs> much all I knew. I wasn't aware that you had been the target of bullshit online attacks and lies. And it's definitely a dangerous, slippery slope. And mm-hmm. I don't think I want to be famous either, except Mm -mm. for having a cool podcast. I'd hit that level of fame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just don't hang out with anybody that like everyone loves or everyone hates. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Don't get too close to the sun, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Becca, it is so nice to catch up with you. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I want you to get your ass back to Seattle sometime, please. I know. Now that we can travel again. Yes. We should go to Minnesota. I'm going to have to come for a hockey game, so. There you go. That's true. We live within walking distance of the practice arena for the Kraken. Yes, which I'm sorry was my childhood mall. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. It is no longer a mall. I know. area is weird. I know. Did you see that the Kraken unveiled their jersey today? No. I'll have to check it out. I'm too busy wrapped up in which wild player you're going to (laughs) steal. Yes. She's a big fan. I know about it, but I see a lot of names that she posts on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know anything about that, but I did check out the jersey today. And I mean, it's cool. I was a little underwhelmed. It was a lot of hype. And I was like, (gasps) Oh, that's it? Well, but if you cared about <laughs> hockey, maybe you'd care about it. I don't, I don't not care about hockey. Yeah. When I lived in Denver, I went to a lot of hockey games. Okay. So, you know. I do think the logo is awesome. They did a really good job on the Kraken logo. I do too. Looking it up right now. Oh, yeah. Take a look. <laughs> While you're doing that, I will say thank you everyone for joining us again. I hope that you stuck with us. This is a little bit longer than the last ones we've done because it was a more important topic and uh, we got to catch up with Becca. So, And please don't be an asshole. Positive comments only. That's right. She's endured enough. <laughs> <laughs> thank you in advance. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. So yeah, you can find us, you know where, on social media at Prosecco Theory. Get you some can email us at cheers at prosecotheory.com. Oh God, you said that? it. No, I didn't. I'm I so proud of I'm you. I clicked in today. <laughs> uh, yeah, merch at tpublic.com. And Becca, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It was actually really nice to be able to get to tell kind of my side of the story. Good. Excellent. Well, we'll just make sure to tag the Obamas. So yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, until next week. Cheers. Cheers to getting back into some substance here. That's right. (laughs) 